0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El
1: Dorado Springs.
0: We bless you, Creator, Provider, bless you we bless you Redeemer oh Jesus we bless you by the means of grace and the hope of glory and almighty God Father of all mercies, we give you thanks. For all your goodness, for how you love us, we give you, we give you thanks. till the end of the age. All honor and glory forever. From now till gone through a little bit of tough times this last year some of you know and um you know there's no better time if you're down emotionally if you're up emotionally there's no better time than to give god thanks because he is good and his blessings endure forever we give you thanks
1: I love it when God just comes and uh, just kind of sets the stage through, through a song, and uh, Jeremy and Paula have done that. I would ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We're going to be uh, reading several Psalms, 57, also 34, and then we will also do what a good preacher does, depart from thereof and bring in a bunch of other scriptures as well. Psalm 57, also Psalm 34 periodically I try to evaluate this church and see what we do well and also see where we come up short. And I know I'm biased. Uh, I'm, I'm the pastor, so of course I would be biased, but I think as a church we do several things well. I think that we would get a, bra- a, a grade maybe better than a C. Uh, C is considered average. And I think we would do a little better than a C in, in several areas. But I'm also aware of the fact that we're not a perfect church, beginning with a very imperfect pastor and their several areas in which our grade, I think, would probably be below a C. And I'm not going to take time to mention all of those areas. We would be here a long time. But one specific week area and the one that we will dedicate our time to on this Sunday after Thanksgiving is the matter of our praise and worship. Now, when I say the words praise and worship, immediately most people think that I'm referring to quality or style of music. But I want to be clear, the weakness in our praise and and worship has absolutely nothing to do with the quality or the style. Rehearsing more won't solve this problem. Changing our style of music won't take care of this problem. It has nothing to do with singing 200-year-old hymns versus 40-year-old Gaither songs versus songs that have been recently written and recorded and sung. It has absolutely nothing to do with those things. And let me just quickly say a couple of things here about music before we get on with our lesson. And this is a little bit off point, but I think, um, I think it's something that I need to mention anyway. When it comes to music, we all have our personal preferences. In fact, this is true in all areas of our life, not just music. Uh, you know, God created us to where we're very unique individuals. And, and, and we have different preferences. And part of this comes from our upbringing, how we were raised. In the matter of food, you know, God created us with different tastes. And, and again, a lot of it's based on the type of, of, of the food that we were raised on. I, I was being raised in South America. I grew up eating what's called they're little black wormy potatoes that were stomped. We call them stomp potatoes. And uh, those of you that I've had the privilege to take with me to Bolivia, you can't stomach them. I love them. Um, I grew up on them. We have different preferences. Some of you like cooked spinach. Most normal people don't. Some of you like liver and onions. Uh, I do. Many of you don't. Some of you like nuts. Some of you are nuts. Um, there's variety in our taste for food. There's also variety in our tastes of art. Some of the pictures I see hanging in certain offices to me look hideous. Uh, I, I wouldn't put them in my barn. Uh, You know, from my perspective, they need to be taken to a brush pile and burned. But and I guess I'm just not sophisticated or smart enough to understand the significance of, of lines and squiggly stuff and all of that. But obviously, some people are smarter than I am and they like it and they can appreciate it. But but anyway, by the same token, God created us with different tastes for music. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Now, we've made it into a bad thing. We, we've gotten so grouchy and so touchy on this matter of music. And, and if people disagree with our choice of Christian music, we make it a spiritual issue and we label them as unspiritual because they don't like what we like. But differences in music is a good thing. And and, and I think it's cool that there are so many different styles of music in the world. and And, and again, my 19 years in South America has helped shaped many of my music preferences. And this may cause some of you old-timers to be really disappointed in me, but, but because of the different music that I grew up with uh, in, in churches in Bolivia, I'm not tied to the old hymns. I appreciate them. There are some wonderful hymns. There are some theologically rich hymns, but then there are some terrible, shallow, theologically incorrect hymns, just as you can say about all other types of music. But anyway, all of that to say that when it comes to music, I believe God is okay with differences and and, and furthermore, and this may rattle some of your foundations, but I don't believe that God has a particularly favorite style of music. As long as it lifts up the name of Jesus, I believe God loves it. God doesn't have the hang-ups regarding music that we do. And I want to just commend you because most of you get it. Uh... You know, when it comes to the the different styles of music, a lot of times there are worship wars, but you get it. And and I know you don't like every song that's sung around here, and and I don't either. And again, I'm the pastor. But but you get it. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And I want to thank you for modeling godliness and, and, and not getting into this whole thing of, well, it's got to be my type of music or it's wrong, but... I want to just commend you and thank you for your maturity. But anyway, as we get back on topic here, as as I was saying, my burden to have better praise and worship has nothing to do with the quality or style of music. But it does have everything to do with our attitude towards God. You know, so many times I hear, well, we're going to begin our service with worship. Well, I hope your worship began long before you came to church. If it didn't, And if you think that worship is the 15 minutes of music before the message, then you don't know anything about worship. Because worship is to be a lifestyle. Worship is to be 24-7. It's all there is of me responding to all I know of Him. Now, there are two verses that will anchor our thoughts this morning. The, The first verse is found in Psalm 57. Verse 7, and, and this morning I'm going to read this from the King James Version. I love the way it says it. You'll recognize the verse, I think. It says, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Now when David says my heart, that his heart is fixed, it doesn't mean that he's had heart problems, that he had his stint put in, and so it's been fixed in that sense. But what, what it means is that his heart is steadfastly fixed focused on God. It's fixed on God. The second verse that will anchor our thoughts is Psalm 34 1 and I think you'll recognize this verse as well. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So at all times continually. Not just 15 minutes in church but continually. Continually. Now, one of the problems with our praise and worship today is that so many of us are inhibited when we ought to really be inhabited. We're we're inhibited in the sense that we try to maintain our dignity. We're worried about what someone will think if we don't keep our emotions and our love for God in check. And part of it is fueled because of some of the extremes that we've seen on television. And and we sure don't want to be like them. And, And so we basically squash our spiritual emotions. Now, now, we're okay with showing emotions in all of the circumstances, but, but in, in our mind, it's almost as if God forbid that we would ever let any emotion surface when it comes to our love and our adoration for Christ. And, and, and even though our worship cannot be based solely on emotions, yet I believe we are way too inhibited in our expression of worship. So instead of being inhibited, we should be inhabited. And when we praise God, God inhabits His people. You know, there's something that I found interesting in my studies that... And uh, it, it's that it seems there's more emphasis on the Bible on praise than there is on prayer. Now, of course, we all know how important prayer is. And, and, and I would never, never say that prayer isn't important. But, but as I read and study God's Word, it seems that in different occasions there's a greater emphasis on praise than on prayer. You say, well, what's the difference between prayer and praise? Well, prayer, in the strictest sense of the word, is asking God for something. But prayer, or I'm sorry, but praise doesn't ask anything from God. But it's giving God something. It's giving God our adoration, and it simply ascends like a sweet smelling perfume up into the presence of Almighty. Now, today, I want to give you. Several reasons why it's important that we make it a priority to praise and worship God. I hope you will take notes. The first reason is very simply to reverence God. In fact, everything in the entire universe, living and non-living, is to give God reverence. Uh, jot this scripture down, Psalm 145:10. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your s- saints will extol you. So it says, all you have made, that means that the rocks and and the trees and the rivers and the oceans, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all of these give praise to God. The, The flowers through their beauty say, praise the Lord. The animals of the field in their own way, they say, praise the Lord. The rivers as they roar, they say, praise the Lord. The stars as they twinkle, they say, praise the Lord. There's a scripture, interesting scripture in the Bible when when Jesus' followers got carried away and began to praise Jesus in a loud voice. And let me read it for you in Luke chapter 19, verse 37. It says, When He came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, what's going to happen? The stones will cry out. So God prefers that we as his children be the leaders in, in, in praise and worship. But if we keep quiet, then his creation in their own manner will find a way to praise God. And something else that really blessed me this week is I learned that praise seems to be the highest responsibility of the angels. I mean, sometimes we think, well, an angel, we got a personal angel, and so their biggest responsibility is to take care of me. But listen to this scripture in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Each of these living beings had six wings, and and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. And day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. So so nigh- day after day, night after night, they kept praising God saying, Holy, holy, holy. And did you ever wonder why they didn't just say holy? Well, Holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. Holy is the Spirit. You know, we worship a triune God, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so they were crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Also, there's another great verse here. And this is one of my favorite scriptures, I think, in all of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Then I looked again and i heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus the lamb is worthy the the lamb who was killed he is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings is anybody here today Can you imagine the multiplied millions of angels joined with millions of redeemed people like you and me? All of them praising the Lord. I hear people saying, well, I just don't like a big church. I wonder what they're going to do up there. Let me tell you something. When it comes to people coming to Christ, bigness doesn't bother me. It's smallness that bothers me. You know, I'm not one of those that longs to be part of a church with 14 people in the congregation. And I'm not criticizing small churches. I mean, some churches only have 14 on a good day. And many times they're doing more good than a mega church with 14,000 people in it. So so I don't have a problem with a small church if it's doing the work of the Lord. But I do have a problem with the mentality of us four, no more. And we're proud of it. You know, we're small but pure. And we want to keep it that way. You know, uh, I, I've seen some small churches that are so carnal and impure. But again, smallness doesn't bother me if they're doing the work of the Lord. And, and, and frankly, because of my personal makeup, I'm not necessarily a big crowds person. I enjoy my solitude. But I have to say that I'm looking forward to the music in heaven where there will be a choir of possibly 100 million people. And everybody will be able to stay on tune And along with the angels, we will be singing the hallelujah chorus and and worthy is the lamb and cornerstone and the great I am and holy, holy, holy and amazing grace and how great thou art. Won't that be just an amazing time of worship? Well, let's move on, but please know that praise and worship is the highest occupation of the entire universe and brings reverence to God. The second reason to worship is because it helps us to resist Satan. Are you struggling with Satan? Maybe you need to start praising. Because it it seems that Satan fears our praise even more than he fears our prayers. And if you can do it quickly, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and... And uh, while, while you're turning there, let me give you the setting for this scripture. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He's a good king. And there are some enemies that have come against Judah. The, the Moabites, the Amorites, the people of Mount Seir have come up against Judah and King Jehoshaphat. And, and King Jehoshaphat goes to the Lord and begins to talk to the Lord about it. And, and, and here's what God tells him in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. Listen, all you people of Judah in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, so if you're in a battle against Satan, the battle's not yours, it's God's. Verse 18, then King Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and, and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. And, and, and here comes one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible... On this matter of praise and worship, verse 21, after consulting the leaders of the Lord, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Pay attention to what we're reading here. Singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the moment they began to sing and and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to, To start fighting among themselves. Now, if that would have been us, we would have said, you know, if God gives us the victory, we'll be faithful to praise him. How many times have we said, okay, God, if you'll heal this person, or if you'll work this miracle, if you will answer this prayer, if you'll give me this job... Then we'll be faithful to give you honor and glory. But God said, I want you to start praising and worshiping before the victory, which is totally opposite of what we do. In fact, can you imagine in, if America would do what uh, Jehoshaphat did? I mean, can you imagine the President of the United States of America, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama, commanding the troops to go out against the enemy and, and saying, but you're not to fire a single shot. You're not to send a missile or or, or drop a bomb. You're not to send out the tanks or, uh, tanks or launch an airplane. You're not to do anything until, first of all, the Marine Band goes out there and plays onward Christian soldiers. And then following that, we'll have the military choir sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You know, God is especially present when we praise do you want to sense God's presence then start to praise him now let me quickly tell you what profanity is profanity is praise in reverse because rather than blessing the name of God it's cursing the name of God and if you ever want to give the devil a foothold in your life here's the way to do it take God's name in vain And that will be an open door. You're basically inviting the devil to move in with you. When you use God's name in vain, you're basically joining forces with the devil. And it's not just using God's name in vain, but but anytime that we use vulgar and foul talk, we become a partner with Satan. The devil lives in profanity but on the other hand when you begin to praise and glorify God it seems that the devil is allergic to that and he flees well another reason it's important to worship is to release the spirit God's Holy Spirit acts in response to your praise now the handbook for praise is the book of Psalms Proverbs is the handbook for wisdom um and this is off topic, but I just finished reading the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. Uh, I, I, I get tickled because there are so many pieces of wisdom in there. And uh, if you would just allow me to digress for a couple of minutes here. Some great advice, and maybe some of this is for you, but Proverbs 5, three says, The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But verse 8 says, Run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor. And then verse 10 says, Strangers will obtain your wealth. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, when when an affair takes place, what happens? Marriage problems, divorce, financial issues. I, I wonder if it's referring to that. Here's some more wisdom from Proverbs 6 one, my child, if you co-sign a loan for a friend or guarantee the debt of someone you hardly know, verse three says, quick get out of it as po- if you possibly can. Don't put it off, do it now. Here's one of my favorites. I wonder who this is for this morning. Don't talk too much for it fosters sin. And then I love this. It says, be sensible and turn off the flow. Trussell's version is put a sock in it. Verse 26 says, lazy people are a pain to their employer. They're like smoke in the eyes. Have you ever been around, uh, you know, burning leaves or brush pile or whatever and, and smoke gets in your eyes? That's what a lazy person is to their employer. But anyway, Proverbs is, is the handbook for wisdom, but but Psalms is the handbook for praise, and nearly every Psalm talks about praising God. For example, Psalm sixty one eight. So I will sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. So did you catch that? Daily praise? Um so did you praise and worship God yesterday? You say, well it was Saturday, it wasn't Sunday. No. Did you praise and worship God yesterday? Have you praised and worshiped God today? And something that I've learned is that praise and performance are inseparably linked. You know, when I find myself getting tired and, and in ministry, I don't necessarily get tired of the work. I, I love what I do and I'm not one of those that hates what I do. I thank God for His calling on my life and I I, I love being His, His His servant and serving people, but honestly sometimes i get tired in the work and and there are times that i have to just take off for a couple of hours and go out to my property and and uh i i I begin to praise god and in this past week i was out at my property I, i was walking and been carrying some burdens and and i was just praying and just just alone just the deer the turkeys and me and and I was just walking and praying and, 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 and then began, began to praise the Lord. And I just felt like, and I, I know you're probably going to think I'm nuts, but there I was out by myself just lifting my hands to the Lord. And I began to just worship Him. And and, and not always, but, but when I begin to praise God, it seems that many times His Holy Spirit begins to energize me. And I begin to feel his strength and, and his power. And, and there's something that comes over me just to, that I have the strength to go on. And, and I think that's what the psalmist is saying. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I might daily perform my vows. In other words, so I might have the strength to do what God has called me to do. And Isaiah 61.3 says, God has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do, do you have a spirit of heaviness? just something settled down on you that there's just that heaviness maybe you can't really identify i've had that happen before just just feel depressed just so heavy and isaiah said god has given us a garment of praise when there's that spirit of heaviness put on the garment of praise well worship also helps to revive the church You know, if a church is dead, it doesn't necessarily need better preaching, even though that's always a plus. But deadness is not necessarily brought on by average or below preaching. Below average preaching. Deadness in a church is not even brought on by music that's subpar. You want to know what deadness, what causes deadness in a church? Deadness is brought on by people like us who go through life unplugged from the power source. And when we begin to worship God, that's connecting to the power source. And we get our eyes off of ourselves and our eyes off of others and onto Jesus. And when we begin to get a glimpse of Jesus and His holiness, His majesty, I can assure you that revival is around the corner. You know, the last 20 years or so, there have been a, num- a great number of books written on our mental health, the mental health of Christians. And, and it seems like we, and I just say we because me, we, we're more nervous than ever before. We're having as many mental disorders as people of the world, and I'm not being critical here. I, I'm very, very sympathetic. Don't, don't go away here with anything different in, in, in your mind and very compassionate to those who have mental disorders. But I wonder, I have a feeling that maybe we wouldn't need as many psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors if if people would get their eyes off of other people and off of their own problems and off of themselves and and begin to get their eyes on God and and, and begin to worship Him. And, And again, I know there are situations that consume us and... And, and and please understand that there is there is compassion here. But but a pastor once said, Jesus is the glue of the galaxies, and if you take Jesus out of the center, then it becomes then it begins to come apart. And that's what happens with us. If if we take Jesus out of the center of our lives, what happens? We begin to worship other things because we will worship something, whether it's substances or destructive attitudes, behaviors, they will begin to control us and, and our lives will begin to fall apart. And, and not only does it happen in our in our personal lives, but it happens in the church. When, when a church gets their eyes off of God and, and when we begin to focus on our petty differences and our idiosyncrasies, you will see a church begin to come apart. But again, when a church gets a glimpse of God and worships Him, mark my word, revival will break out. You cannot gripe and worship at the same time. You know, we, we, we can't do that. And I have a feeling that maybe some of us need to pull some of the gripes out of our lives and, and put in some hallelujahs. And, uh, and let me just clarify something in case, you know, some of you are, are, are not clear on this. God is not some kind of egomaniac that he has to have people continually telling him how great he is. He's not so unsure of, uh, of himself that he's always saying, now, now tell me how great I am. Give me a compliment. And, you know, some of us are always fishing for a compliment. Say, well, I'm not very good at this. And we're wanting somebody to tell us, yeah, you're good. You're all right. Um, God's not fishing for a compliment. Because praise does not add anything to God's changeless glory. And if you fail to praise Him, God's not diminished at all. But, but God wants you to worship not for what your worship does for God, but what it does for you. And what does it do for you? Well, a person becomes like what he worships. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So you will become whatever like whatever you worship. If you worship certain people, sports stars, Hollywood stars, we begin to imitate them. By the same token, when you worship Jesus Christ, you will become like him. Lastly, we need to also worship so we can reach the lost. Do you want people to come to know Christ? Well, look in Psalm 40, verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. Thank you, Jesus. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I was walking along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be astounded. They will put their trust in the Lord. Now, what was really interesting to me was that this song that the psalmist was talking about was not just the kind of song that you can hear, but it was the kind of song that you can see because it says, it's talking about the hymn of praise, a new song, it says, and many shall see it and fear. You know, when an unsaved person comes into a service where true worship is taking place, they will know it. They will sense it. They will see it. And most of the time, they will want you, what you have. If we want this church to grow, we must learn the power of worship. Let's uh, wrap things up. and, And as we do so, let me remind you that ultimately you're going to end up in one of two places. You're going to end up in a place called heaven. Or you're going to end up in a place called hell. Have you ever wondered what they will do in heaven for all eternity? They will worship. They will praise. Have you ever wondered what they will do in hell for all eternity? They will curse. They will use God's name in vain. The Bible says it will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and a place of blasphemy against God. And you know, the truth is, we're all going to be in one of those two places. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. There is no state that you just kind of disappear and you don't feel anything. You have heaven. You have hell. Heaven is a place of worship. Hell is a place of cursing. If you plan to go to heaven, and I think all of us would say, oh yeah, that's where I'm going. Make sure you are making preparations for heaven. You know, make sure that you are worshiping Jesus and not things and people. Make sure that make sure that the proper preparations have been made. And and I also wonder, you know, if, if we're planning on going to heaven, don't you think that maybe we ought to practice our worship here on earth? When we get up there, I wonder if we're going to say, man, I'm so uncomfortable here with all that. But may God help us to begin to learn how to lose ourselves in worship and praise and, and here's what I would like as we begin, as we get close to the Advent season. And by the way, you know, today is the first day of, of Advent and we always choose to wait to begin our Advent celebrations, lighting the Advent candle until we have the Christmas decorations. But uh, today is actually the first Sunday of Advent. But I would just pray that during this season at season of advent that we would learn what it is to worship God and that we would get it out of our mind uh, okay we're going to begin our service with worship that we would understand that worship is at home, worship is at work and I certainly hope that we would understand that worship is here in church as well and maybe some of us we have not been connected to the power source Could we just get alone a little bit this week and say, God, forgive me. I want to be in tune with you. I want my praise to just ascend to the heavens continually. I want to worship you. And for some of us, this is going to be totally different because we go to church, that's a compartment, that's a segment of our lives. We go out the door and we pretty much slam the door on that segment. But I hope that we'll understand that Praise and worship is continual. It's to be ascending up to God's throne every moment of every day. Let's pray together. Father, I I know I haven't learned, I haven't discovered everything I need to know about praise and worship. Lord, forgive us for those times that we have been inhibited. We felt something rising up within our heart where we needed to just express our love and adoration, but because we're scared, we're inhibited. Lord, we've squashed that. Father, I pray that we would allow you to just inhabit us. Lord, we're not asking for emotions to control us and to dominate, but Lord, we're asking that we would not be afraid to give You honor and glory. Lord, I ask that we would discover the secret that the first thing in the morning when we roll out of bed, that there would be just that praise and worship. Lord, during the good times of of the day, as well as those times when maybe our co-worker hurts us or even our spouse disappoints us. Lord, even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, when we go through sickness, troublesome times, I pray, Lord, that we would just, our heart would be fixed on You God, help me to discover just what it really means to abide in Christ. Lord, that I would be part of the vine that's attached to you. Lord, you're the power source. God, I I, I don't think I've gotten it out of my heart today, just what I felt, the burden that I felt this week. And Lord, I, don't, I don't know, I, I pray that you can maybe re-preach it and but Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be people of of worship. Lord, when we uh, go about our, our week, Lord, let there be something vibrant. And again, Lord, we're not asking for just a lot of feeling because we can't live on feelings, but Lord, that there would be that sense that Jesus is in us and he lives in us. God, I pray that my life this week would be different, or that I would be continually, continually dialed in and pl- plugged into the source. Lord, help these wonderful people who have come Sunday after Thanksgiving. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, I believe that this Advent season is going to be different because I believe You're going to do a work in a heart and I want to just thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do. So Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. For it's in your name we ask these favors. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. I want to thank you for, for coming and my love continues to grow for you. You are amazing. I am so lucky blessed to be part of this church family have a good week you've been listening to the sunday morning message broadcast from church of god
0: holiness in el dorado springs our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or dvd videos
1: of the messages call the church at 417-876-2200 thank you for listening